Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Great friends, exceptional leaders, and champions of those who can't fight for themselves. The Enneagram Type 8, or the Challenger, stands alone. They want to be independent, not indebted to anyone, and do not let the opinions of others sway them. In this episode, we take a deep dive into the Enneagram Type 8. We'll look at what motivates them, how they respond to situations, and how to interact with them, whether you're coworkers, friends, or romantically involved. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? I actually took the 4th of July time off and didn't do much. Wow. Yeah. You know, went to my parents' house, just kind of chilled out. Well, I, I mean, I had to work on this episode, which took a freaking age. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't do much. And then there was a fairly good-sized project to do at work, and I had it estimated for you know about six hours when I left work Friday and I knocked it out in an hour this morning when I got there turned out it wasn't sufficient to actually solve the problem because it was a bigger issue that we hadn't detected but you know like the scope of work I had marked as being six hours only took me one so that was actually pretty helpful (laughs) so yeah other than that man I mean Things are pretty nice right now. I'm kind of playing around with uh, Postgres, continuing to play with uh, Docker stuff, uh, getting my JavaScript stuff on. So, yeah, cool. it's nice. How about you? Uh, preparing for my mission trip, mostly. Yeah. Went shopping for supplies uh, Monday because I had the day off. Did did a little bit of running around on Monday. It's going to be about the same weather over there as it is here. So, like, you know, in the 90s and hot. Uh, the timing of this episode is rather interesting. We miscalculated, forgot that July had five Thursdays this year. And so the episode that comes out, that came out, I guess, the week before this one, we're going to record after I get back. <laughs> A little podcast time travel never hurt anybody. Yeah, yeah. So it does. Yeah, so... Last week, you probably heard me talking about my mission trip, and this week, you're hearing me talk about preparing for it, just because we got our, our timing a little bit backward. We just missed a week because we were we thought we'd be... We thought we timed it right, but we were off by one typical development error. Speaking of development, we're making the app that I've been working on mobile-friendly, and I've like it has a search. It mainly is a search feature. Because um, that's what we've been building. Like that's part one of what we're building here, and so I've been working on the search results, and one of the other developers has been working on like the uh, the search criteria part. And uh, so right now, I, I've reached a point where I'm like, all right, I cannot go any further until he's finished, and. Friday, he said he was like pretty much done. He had one or two things to do, and then he'd be done early Tuesday morning. Over the weekend, he like something happened. I don't remember exactly what he said, but anyway, he had to take a sick day today. <laughs> so I I got as much as I could done on it, and I'm like, all right, 
I'm just gonna do a little study, research, other stuff until he gets back and can can finish his part. So yeah. Speaking of getting back, when I get back from my mission trip, I'm planning on buying a Mac Mini with the new M1 chip. Uh, I've kind of been trying to avoid the the M1 chip because it doesn't like not everything is working with it yet. But I got to looking at it and all the stuff that I would need the mini for, all the recording kind of stuff that we do, it wouldn't matter. So I think I'm going to get go ahead and bite the bullet and buy the one with the M1 chip because it's a lot cheaper. In more exciting news, the park here in Murfreesboro, the Barfield Crescent Park, uh, they have a decent hiking trail. Probably like if you do the full thing, it's like four, four and a half miles in the woods. And then they got other areas you can walk around the park but they're doing a marathon hiking challenge this month so the month of july you hike what is it uh 26.2 yeah 26.2 miles and you get a t-shirt i'm making the challenge even more difficult by being gone for a third of the month (laughs) but uh, i'm already six miles in as of the recording of this so not too bad. So if you get point two, you get the other twenty. If you get back, I'm sure you'll yeah. feel like it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping to get some more in later this week, but it's also looking like it's supposed to rain later this week. So I don't know. We'll see. I will say this: the hiking is probably the thing helping me the most right now. Going through the breakup and stuff, just like I don't know, getting out in nature. Uh, I've been hiking with some friends from church, but just like getting out by myself is one of the best things I've been able to do. It's like you can get out there and like sitting at home. I don't know why, but like sitting at home, I'll get lost in my thoughts and I'll get all depressed when I'm out in nature. One, the exercise really helps, but just like, I don't know, being out there in nature, in creation, I'm just able to like really address and deal with a lot of the stuff. So that's, that's been really good. And in podcast news, I got a new book, five levels of leadership by John Maxwell. I expect to get quite a few. It's a thick book. So I expect to get quite a few podcast episodes out of it. We may even be able to do a five part series on levels of leadership from this. So Probably not. I'll probably do an overview and then a couple other things from it because I get a lot of really great material from his books. Maxwell's the guy with the uh, he's the guy with the silver hammer, right? <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Wow. That's good. That's good. And on that note, saving money is hard, especially when you're trying to learn about your personality. I don't know. I flopped on that one. Sorry. Will didn't give me something funny to say. Lucas Casades is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us here at the podcast, he focuses on helping you not only establish a plan, but take action so that you can live your best life. Investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances with the help of Level Up. The compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself over time. And what's really nice is Level Up has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. 
we have a friend who just started working with Lucas and Lucas was able to meet him right where he was in his career and work from there. And that's the great thing about it. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting conversation going, you know, how'd you how'd you think about it? And, you know, it was, it was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. So he's not trying to sell you a product, but he's there to actually help you get where you're trying to be. Yeah, that's true. So you guys can find some fun, free resources and learn more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. The Enneagram of Personality, or just the Enneagram, is a representation of personalities using a geometric figure, also called an Enneagram. This one has a little e to express nine interconnected personality types. While each type is unique, it is related to other types through the circle containing the type to each of its wings and the lines or arrows in the center connecting the type to the ones it imitates in times of stress or growth. The Enneagram is used in business management training to better understand interpersonal dynamics in the workplace. And by the way, we have a graphic available where you can actually see what the thing looks like. Yeah, you can either Google Enneagram or Enneagram of Personality and look at the images or in the initial episode in this series when we talked, like did the overview, we did post an image there. So we're, we're talking about a new triad, the final three types. I'm starting that this, uh, this month. Types eight, nine, and one constitute the gut triad. This triad is primarily motivated by anger. Those in the gut triad tend to filter life kind of a gut or instinct level. Because of that, they tend to be motivated by a desire to be independent, to dominate their environment, and to stay in control of their own life. The world around them is something to be dominated, or at least controlled. And of the three, eights tend to externalize their anger by focusing it on others. At their best, eights are great friends, exceptional leaders, and champions of the downtrodden. They have the courage, intelligence, and stamina to push through and do things that other people say are impossible. They use their power well at the right time and in moderation. They're also capable of collaborating well with others. Yeah, and at their worst, eights are preoccupied with the possibility of betrayal. They tend towards suspicion and distrust of others and can resort to revenge when they feel that they've been wronged. They believe they can fix reality and try to force their own rules onto others. And in the end, they just wind up using people. In this episode, we'll be looking at the eights, who can be a bit domineering and egocentric, focusing on their desire for independence to the detriment of their relationships with other people. As with the previous episodes, we'll take a balanced approach, diving into both the positive and negative traits of the challenger. We'll start with a discussion of the main characteristics of the eight, then we'll look at the related types through wings and arrows. Finally, we'll close out the discussion with interactions with eights at work, in friendships, and in relationships. So, the Enneagram type eight is the challenger, and they're called the challenger because they're aggressive, confrontational people who are in life for what they can get out of it. Yeah, the book actually refers to Alaric the Goth taking Rome. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you know, here's the city here. I'm going to basically besiege it, sack it, and go on with life. Yeah, which literally is what he did because there wasn't enough food in the city to feed his army, so he kind of had to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I, I did feel that was fitting, but there's like 
a whole historical backdrop there that I didn't really want to get into a long explanation of, Mm -hmm. even though I just kind of did. If you guys remember one of our guests, Cody, he's been on a couple of episodes, I believe. He is a type eight, very much so. So uh, what was it? It was the the one we had with Aaron, the communication episode. Yeah. And I think we were joking around recording that and something was said and it was like, and Cody's just uh, sitting over there passively waiting to be aggressive. Yeah. And that's an eight for you. <laughs> <laughs> They're just sitting there waiting to be aggressive. <laughs> yeah. The eights have a drive to control things and it stems from a desire for independence. They enjoy taking on challenges themselves as well as giving challenges to others. No, they're very direct when they're in leadership. Uh, it's like they like it when you challenge them too, especially when they're healthy. When they're not healthy, that's another story. We'll get into that in a little bit. For the challenger, control over their environment is everything. Aggressive confrontation provides them with a sense of control over their environment and defense against being dependent on others. And this is the the interesting thing that I was getting at is. It's not just when they're being aggressive. They like it when you're aggressive with them too. Because that puts, it's the weirdest thing because I am so, like, I go to an eight when I'm unhealthy, but I am so not like that naturally. And getting used to working with someone, especially in a supervisory position who was that way, like, I'm used to coming in with the, here's the idea and sort of like that. But he wanted, like lay it out, argue your point, stuff like that. And for some of us, we were able to to realize that and accommodate. Some people, it's so against their nature, it was difficult for them. I've worked with a guy that I'm pretty sure was an eight as well. And mm-hmm. it was fairly constant. There were collisions with other people. And, you know, the thing is, is if you yelled back, like it, it made him happy because he knew you were honest mm-hmm. almost like yep. it, it's a really, it, it takes a minute to get in that headspace where you can function interacting with those people. Yeah, it, it really does. And the, the funny thing is like, because the eights externalize their anger so much of the three in the triad, what basically ends up happening is they see anger as the rawest, purest form of communication. Yeah. So like to them, you can't deceive me. Like you're not deceiving me. If you're too angry to think of a deception, you're telling me yeah. the raw truth when you're angry. And that that's why they like that confrontation. It's like a punch in the face is the most uh, honest form of interpersonal communication. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've known a couple people like that. Not, yeah, yeah they were eights. They weren't healthy. Um, <laughs> Well, there is that. There is that. Eights do have an incredible vitality and willpower and feel best when exercising that power in the world. Not only do they want to leave their mark on the world, but they also want to help keep the people they care about from being hurt. Yeah, that's one of the things that's a bit of a surprise, too, is is like they'll they'll be belligerent and just like really hard to deal with. And then you find out that, oh, they paid a coworker's medical bill. Yeah. And you're like, what? (laughs) He did? Yeah. Yeah. They're the type that, uh, they're the the sibling that 
will pick on you and be mean to you like all through life. But the moment anyone else says anything rude or mean, like, yeah, it's on. They're on them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're having to be like, no, 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 no. They're friends too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's actually a guy I went to school with that was like that, that was just like constantly just really giving me crap all the time. And some other kid started picking on me. And the guy was, the guy that had been picking on me was huge. And he just picked the other guy up and said, no. Sitting down, <laughs> you know, like yeah. didn't have to say anything else. It's just like I just lifted you off the floor. I said no. Yeah, conversation <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, that is that is so eight. It's not even funny. Yeah, challengers are also fiercely independent. They tend to assume that others are untrustworthy and thus don't really want to trust them too far until and unless they have proven themselves. Eights really don't have a whole lot of range. Their emotions are more like an electrical switch than a dimmer switch. Mm -hmm. uh, they're either on or off. For them, conflict is kind of a connection to another person, and it's sort of a weird form of intimacy. Not in you know any kind of unusual context, but just like, I trust this person so I can be blunt. Yeah. If they're comfortable with you, get ready for the arguments. Yeah, because they, they enjoy it. They're coming. <laughs> once, like, I enjoy a good debate like a really good, healthy back and forth. Eights are a bit more extreme. And, but once you recognize that, I, I remember when I was working with Cody and he got promoted to, to architect. And I would go into his office on the days we were, we were in and we'd sit and argue for an hour and not either one of us be mad or angry. It's just like, no, you can't do it this way because of this. And no, that's a bad idea. Because if you walked in and you said, like, just very bluntly, that's a really dumb idea. And here's why. He would listen to you. And if he agreed, change it. Sometimes you walk in and say, that's a really dumb idea. And here's why. And he's like, oh, my goodness, I totally agree with you. But here's why we have to do it that way. Because it was like above his head or something. <laughs> but I came in here for an argument. <laughs> Yep, yep. The thing is, this all or nothing approach means that they either win really big or everything goes terribly, horribly bad very quickly. As a result, eights can often be seen as being overindulgent or excessive in a lot of their pursuits, which makes sense because Cody turned a hobby into a side project into a business like a side business that he owns and now gets to travel to stuff all over the country because of it. They're, they're definitely risk takers and, and all of them I've known, like they're either really successful business people or they're struggling. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I can't think of any that are just like middle of the road really. Mm -hmm. As children, eights often had events during their formative years that forced them to jettison their childlike innocence and deal with things like an adult. Some eights were raised in unstable homes or in environments where toughness was rewarded, or they may have been bullied a lot in their younger years in school. Whatever the source, this taught them that they had to rely on themselves because they couldn't rely on others. Yeah, they learned early on that the world is a rough place and that the weak are victimized or betrayed. Eights tend to be really reluctant to show their soft side as a result because they believe that showing weakness invites attack. Mm 
Yeah. It's a really good moment when an eight admits to a weakness or shows you a weakness. That means they trust you a lot. I mean, you know, like best friend level trust there. As children, eights tend to run a bit ahead of the pack and want to be independent faster than the adults around them want to allow them this independence. They tend to trust themselves more than they trust the adults around them. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, given the background that a lot of them have, that's not entirely irrational, right? No. Now, they will get in line when they're told to do so, but they don't cower when they do it. Rather, they're hoping that good behavior will reward them with an increasing degree of freedom. Yeah. And it's interesting because they're going to push the boundaries. It's their challengers. They're going to push the boundaries of everything. And if you're you're dealing with a child who is an eight or a teenager, oh my goodness, as an eight, they are going to push the boundaries yeah. a lot. Get and that lawyer on retainer. <laughs> the funny thing is with them, the firmer you are, the more strict, the better they're going to be. Because yeah. if they if they clearly know the rules and the consequences and they know if I do this, this is the consequence. Yeah, they'll do just shy of that. <laughs> yeah, but they'll they will feel stable. Yeah, and they might argue about it, and compl- they will definitely complain about it. But they will feel they will have that stability, and that that's what they need. That's what everyone needs. But you know, the the eight needs that firm hand more than the others because that's what they respect. Yeah, it's kind of like um, they're kind of like a, a lot of hot steam. <laughs> you yeah. know, if you direct it somewhere, you can power anything. But Mm -hmm. if you don't, you just get burned. That's really good. Yeah, I like that. The thing is, they'll take over uh, when nobody else is at the helm. And they often do a reasonably good job of it when they do so. And so you you look at them, you go, well, you know, maybe you should be a leader. Yeah, it's because they they push themselves and people. They they do tend to lead by example. So now we're going to get into some of the desires and fears of the challenger. And the basic desire for an eight is to be able to protect themselves by being in control of their own life and destiny. They tend to try to project strength so that others don't attempt to control them as a result. This projection of strength can often come across as if the eight is trying to start a fight, when the truth is they're kind of unconsciously, mostly, trying not to look like a pushover. Yeah. And I do say mostly because they typically are aware of it. (laughs) Well, they're aware of it, but they may not be aware of their, like they're aware of what they're doing, but they may not be aware of the full motivations behind it. Yeah. They're, they're aware of direction, not magnitude. Yeah. That's an interesting thing because they, in their attempt to not be seen as weak, they come off as like argumentative and rude even. Now, the challenger's basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others. This includes being pushed around, but it also includes a fear of being failed or betrayed. Yeah, they don't want to rely on other people too much. And that's one of the reasons they value people who can push right back at them. They'll loudly and strongly voice opinions, and they don't like it when the people who disagree with them surrender too easily because they feel like that's a weak position. And that means that that person can't be trusted, essentially. 
Yeah. Oh no, they they want you to argue back and up to a point when you have valid arguments or or stuff like that, they they like that. Yeah, if you try weaseling, yeah, no. Yeah. They'll they'll pin that down and nail you very quickly. Though it is it is funny sometimes they'll see they'll see indifference as weakness cuz I remember some conversations I've had with with eights I know and I said something to the effect of like I really don't care about that. It's just not important to me. And like they tried calling me out on it. I'm like, no, like I'm not saying that because I think it's what you want to hear. I'm saying that because I really don't care. It's not important. Like, you know, there are things yeah. that are important. That is not one of them. I'm arguing with you about how, how important it is. And it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, once they got that, the the whole dynamic changed. It wasn't, uh, oh, you're trying to weasel out of this and just like, no, it was, you really, it's not important. Eights tend to have problems with their tempers a wee bit and with allowing themselves <laughs> to be vulnerable uh, as a result of both their desires and their fears. And this bellicose behavior can drive people away. Yeah. I like your, your $5 word there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I actually was visualizing somebody I know writing some of these. I was like, you know, they're a great person to work with and for, but this kind of stuff was tired. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's the best way to to write these episodes is like everyone I've written. I know someone that, yeah, I had someone in mind with that type, except the four. I know some wing fours, but but yeah. So, speaking of having someone in mind, let's talk about some examples. We kind of referenced that a little bit earlier with the healthy and unhealthy, but uh, let's talk about some healthy, average, and unhealthy challengers. Well, a healthy eight uh, is self-restrained and magnanimous, and they submit their strength to a higher authority, and a lot of them achieve historical greatness. Yeah. Like, this is... Your your healthy eights are they're your your great leaders. They're the people who take like they will go full in on something and if it doesn't work out, they will move on to the next thing. Yeah. And not let that like drag them down. And they're not hedging their bets. Yeah. Either. Yeah. They're they're all in on it. Now the challenger also learns to stand up for their needs and wants in a healthy way, less fighting and more assertion than aggression. They're also driven by an inner passion with a resourcefulness and sort of this attitude of just get the job done. Remember the eights that I have worked for and with had to very much, you know, just go get the job done. You know, whatever it takes, get the job done. The average eight is self-sufficient, financially independent and concerned about having the resources to meet their needs. They tend to be the kind of rugged individualist that you hear about. They are, uh, whereas the healthy eights have learned to trust and work with people. The average eights, while they do have some, some positive qualities still don't have that ease of trust yet. Um, and you know, mediocre challengers, can be combative and intimidating in order to get their way. Uh, they often create adversarial relationships and they won't back down even when wrong. 
or standing at the gates of hell. Wait, no, that's a Tom Petty song. <laughs> <laughs> Seeking to keep others off balance to get their way, they will often resort to threats and reprisals, causing others to resent them. So this is like the darker side of the average eight. An unhealthy eight will defy any attempt to control them, and they can become ruthless dictators. Uh, they can be hard-hearted, immoral, and potentially violent. There's several people that are actually on the list, like famous eights that I was looking at, going, "Ooh, yeah, I can see it." You know, you don't you don't see it until you um, until you really read the personality profile, but it makes sense. I think uh, I think Joseph Stalin was on the list, for instance. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Now, at their worst, challengers become very dangerous when they feel threatened. They may destroy anything that hasn't bent to their will. They also are subject to delusional ideas about their own power and invincibility and have a tendency to overexert and overextend themselves to the point of being unhealthy and reckless. So let's talk about the deadly sin of the Enneagram type eight. And that deadly sin is lust. Now, this is not the version of it that you would get from like Catholic teachings, right? Like this is. It's not the mommy daddy type of lust. Right. Uh, I'm trying to keep this PG. Uh, (laughs) The idea of lust. Yeah. The idea of lust has certain connotations in modern society. However, that's not quite the case with the eight. Uh, Rather, it's a lust for excitement and being involved in the parts of the situation that they're in that actually matter. So like if if it's a fight, these guys are right in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Or a mosh pit. Yeah. Sometimes there's not much of a difference. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I've been in a few mosh pits that gave me black Uh eyes. (laughs) You remember those days? Uh (laughs) Long, long time ago, though. Challengers lust after intensity. They want to be wherever the action is. The trouble, however, is if they can't find any, just like the uh, hashtag no drama, they'll make some. Yeah. Their desire to control their own lives will also play into this. Uh, They have more energy than any other number on the Enneagram, which means they not only more vigorously pursue their own interests, but they can also outlast everybody else. So once they get focused, like they're, they're they're a really hard opponent to beat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause they, they funnel their anger into whatever they're doing and it just gives them that, drive to keep going Uh, speaking of that anger can really get eights into trouble especially if they're not particularly healthy not only does it cause isolation but it can also cause havoc in relationships that would have been nurturing and helpful to the eight and sometimes it even causes lifelong enemies like their nemesis or frenemies frenemies is a big problem for eights Um, yeah Especially like the one I'm thinking of has had, you know, employees that have left and just absolutely hate the guy, but they're nice to his face. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's definitely done a number on him. Mm-hmm. Eight's desire to be right in the middle of everything can also lead to some other bad behaviors or not helpful behaviors. You know, things like overeating, over drinking, overspending, overindulging in whatever and overworking all of which are pretty destructive to health and personal relationships. You know, the best way to put it is too much is never enough. Yeah. So I'm guessing 
if the decades had Enneagram types, the 90s would have been an eight because everything was extreme. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't have an E, right? <laughs> yeah. Gotta start with that's an X. Said, that's why I said extreme. <laughs> that way you can argue over the spelling. Start out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Time for some wings and things. You know, I could really go for for some wings. Um, yes, chicken wings would be good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a shortage right now. By the way, I know that's why uh, I have some in my freezer. I'm going to heat up after this for dinner. Good plan. Yeah, yeah. All right, an eight with a seven wing is known as the maverick. Uh, the seven or the enthusiast brings out the outgoing energetic and fun side of the eight mavericks can also be ambitious impulsive and even a bit reckless uh, living their lives to the fullest they also tend to be entrepreneurial in a lot of cases where my parents moved when we were in college up in sparta where they lived there was a guy there who uh, was an entrepreneur and he'd been like you know had billions lost billions like he was definitely that that all or nothing eight mindset. So when he had the money, he started building this house with like a full size bowling, like four or five lane bowling alley in the basement, and like a like full screen sized theater room. I mean, just a super over the top, and in this little podunk town, it's just where he grew up. It's like no one is ever going to buy that house. Yeah. Or if they do, you're going to be long gone before they get there to buy it. Yeah, yeah. But he built it for himself and then ran out of money. And that's the thing. Like, he was trying to do it all at once. Like, that overindulgent type thing. And that, like, that is the the risk that eights take. Especially with the seven wing. Because the sevens already have an issue with overindulgence too. So, like, that just plays into each other. And it gets just way over the top. The seven characteristics will mask the wariness that is common to most eights, which makes these people more gregarious in social situations than other eights. Speaking yeah. of $5 words. <laughs> oh, I like gregarious. It's a fun word. I use it fortnightly. Well, I use it uh, selfishly. I call myself gregarious all the time. Hmm. I'm more loquacious than gregarious. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whilst we're on the subject. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, um, an eight with a seven wing is a blast to have. We, I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure one of my fraternity brothers was an eight wing seven, just knowing his personality type. Former Marine. Well, not yeah. former, I guess. Retired Marine, I guess. You yeah. say Marine will tell you that they're Marine as long as they're still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah unless they got kicked out but he didn't but no um yeah and oh yeah <laughs> very very much like this great to party with but super strict in other areas so uh, uh, now the thing is with with the maverick the impulsiveness and ambition can either help them do great things or bring them to ruin or in the case of the guy I was talking about back where my parents used to live both. Yeah. I kind of wonder if like various historical figures, you know, like that are not listed on this list. Cause I was like <laughs> going through it. 
going, you know, I wonder about like, uh, like Alcibiades, you know, some of those guys that, yeah. you know, that were like part of Greek history and did really like stuff that you look back on and you're like, why did you do that? Like, why did you think that was good? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you're like, okay, if they were, if they were this personality, it would make a little more sense. An eight with a nine wing, on the other hand, is called the bear or a diplomat, uh, which kind of seems weird that those two things would go together because uh, bears are not overly known for their diplomatic endeavors. Uh, sure. Perhaps Winnie the Pooh uh, yeah. or the Care Bears. Now, I guess the Care Bears. Yeah, the right. Care Bears. Yep. The nine or peacemaker brings a more measured approach to life for the eight. They tend to be more open to cooperation instead of competition, kind of keeping with that peacemaking role of the nine. They will like group competitions or friendly competitions at work where it's, there's not a, I'm going to beat you, but it's a, all right, let's see who can do this the fastest or like hackathon kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's not, I'm the best, it's my team is the best. Yeah, or it's, you know, Let's get together and see who is the best at this. Yeah. They do tend to be more pleasant to work with, with other people being more willing to actually follow their lead, uh, which, you know, is, is kind of nice. Uh, you know, they have the nine's gift of being able to see both sides in a situation. And so they become excellent negotiators in addition to having that raw drive that an eight has. Yeah. So they will, they'll flourish in stressful situations that a, that a nine would struggle with. So like hostage negotiation kind of things and eight wing nine is a great person to have. Cause that eight is going to have that confidence, that challenger enough to go in there. But with the nine wing, they'll have that being able to negotiate and to, I guess, get into the headspace of the, the people that they are negotiating with outside of like, Hostage negotiation stuff. They they could also be really great corporate lawyers, things like that, negotiating big deals. Yeah, you have to wonder what the crossover is there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's some corporate lawyers that are like, well, actually, makes a lot of sense. They do still have a bit of trouble with controlling their temper. Uh, They tend to be stubborn and they often have problems with authority. Which, if you use it well, all those things are still good. Mm -hmm. So, the direction of integration or health moves the eight toward the two. A healthy eight, as they tend to improve, will become more caring and open-hearted, taking on the traits of a healthier two. Or me. Ah. (laughs) eights moving to two spend more time trying to help better the lives of the people around them than they do trying to defend themselves from possible betrayal and prefer to collaborate rather than command. Mm-hmm. So basically they're keeping this, they're, they're keeping the strengths and they're overcoming the weak spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you look back at the, the examples we gave, it's like the, the two kind of balances the eight. And so as they start to become, more balanced the they look more like a two whereas as a two when i start to go like i go the opposite direction that's the interesting thing about these arrows is the eight gets healthier when the eight gets healthy they go to a two when a two gets unhealthy they go to an eight so 
Like they lose some a lot of the, these characteristics. Another thing with healthy eights is they're more vulnerable and more comfortable with vulnerability and showing that. Like because as a two, I have no problem telling people that I cried over my breakup. An eight, not healthy eight, would never say that to anyone, even like their best friend. Yeah, um, they'd probably be happy they made somebody else cry. Yeah, <laughs> in that case. Uh, but but as a two, I will tell thousands of people. <laughs> Write an episode about it. Why not? You know, <laughs> we should name that episode "Be Just Tears." <sighs> Sorry, healthy. Yeah, healthy eights are also more likely to yield to the wishes of others and treat people as less expendable than the unhealthy eight would. Yeah. So speaking of unhealthy eights, the direction of disintegration or stress moves the eight toward the five. Yeah. So when an eight is less healthy, they trend towards becoming more secretive and fearful, you know, like a five Mm -hmm. and unhealthy eights tend to play their cards a lot closer to their chest in an effort to keep other people from controlling and betraying them. Additionally, they may become even more sensitive to insults as they try to keep their guard up. You know, they're not letting risks through. Yeah. If you think back on the five, I know it's been a few months, but they're very introverted. They're very like, they don't think they're worthy. So they don't want, like, they just kind of turn to themselves and they're very independent. The eight is also very independent, but for different reasons. It's like their, their motivations are different, but then when the eight gets stressed, they start to look like a five. Like they start taking on a lot of the same character traits of secretiveness and hiding things. And like their independence becomes something they fiercely fight for, but they do that by not being out there by withdrawing. And that's not good for, for the eight. They kind of burn up their potential for creative leadership due to their fear of betrayal and their desire to rebel against authority. Yeah. A healthy eight makes an amazing leader, especially if they're healthy and they understand people because then they're able to work with people with at their, you know, where they are, but also with the different personalities, the healthy eight that I know I've worked with some and worked for some who they understood. They're like, all right, look, this strategy doesn't work with you because you'll just shut down if I get all like aggressive and mean, and then you'll go do what you're going to do anyway. So like they know, Hey, that this doesn't work with that person. I need to adjust. They still come off as aggressive a bit, but it's not like, because like they can't completely hide who they are. Yeah. Um, But it's not pointed at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Whereas the unhealthy eights, they, they can't do that. And a lot of times they will they will kind of go into themselves a bit, like I said, like like the five does, where they're like, okay, I want to be independent, so I've got to be self sufficient and do it all myself. And so that's what an an unhealthy eight will be like. They an unhealthy eight or a stressed out eight will get frustrated with the way you're doing stuff and go, just forget about it. I'll do it myself. So let's talk a bit about interacting. Uh, with other people, <laughs> interactions with an eight are interesting and, and it's not bad, right? Like I like 
working with eights because I don't have to worry about any BS. But on the on the same token, if you're not used to it, it's a little hard. If they're in the room, you're going to interact with them. They're kind of hard to avoid in social situations unless you really keep yourself to very boring subjects. And even then, you'll probably find one at a conference or something. Yeah. <laughs> now, the big thing to remember with an eight is that you have to push back. Like that is important. They're not going to respect you if you don't stand up for what you believe in. They see that as weak when you don't stand up for what you believe in. And that's, that's a big thing. Now that doesn't mean argue with them for the sake of arguing. If you agree with them, that's fine. They will still respect you. It's if you say you agree with them and then they find out you're not, that's bad. Or if you try to weasel it instead of just going, you know what? No, I disagree. Here's why. And it, it can be very blunt and it can be really difficult when you've been dealing with an eight for a while. And then you have to go deal with someone who is not an eight. Yeah. Like a two. Yeah. <laughs> Especially. Yeah. So, um, just a, just a little, little story here. I, uh, you know, when I started my new job, my manager is also a two. And I've been working with an eight for quite a while. And then like other types too, but you know, and so I just sort of developed this very like terse informational kind of like Slack communication, like on a call or something super friendly, super talkative, but Slack is just like, boom knock it out, get, get the point across. And I remember like the first week I just sent my, my new manager, a Slack message, just very direct, very blunt. Oh, Hey, um, where's this? I need that. It was like first thing in the morning. And she's like, all right, first off, hello, good morning. Hey, yeah. How are you? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get to be a two. I forget. <laughs> yeah. I haven't gotten to do that in a while. <laughs> But yeah, they tend to interpret, uh, you know, willingness to argue with them as a form of intimacy or trust. And when you combine this with the fact that most other people don't look at things that way and the tendency of eights to be a bit impulsive, uh, you can occasionally have some situations where stuff gets out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's mildly (laughs) like you can have a healthy eight who is maybe not self-aware of that. And so they're still healthy. They're still doing good things, but they're still coming off as just like that aggressive person and it can still bother certain people. Yeah. Uh, So working with the challenger in a work environment, eights tend to either lead or frequently challenge whoever is leading due to their desire to be independent. They may have difficulty delegating tasks or depending on other team members to get stuff done. Additionally, if they don't know you well, an eight may be a bit suspicious of your motives for doing something, at least until they feel like they can trust you. They tend to speak their mind and be blunt as well, which can result in people thinking that they're angrier than they actually are. You know, because they just they just say whatever's on their mind and they're not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah. I, I know plenty of eights like like that is exactly how they are. And like the ones who are more self-aware have learned that and they've learned 
who they can be blunt with, or they might come in and say, all right, I'm going to be blunt and then just spout it out. Whereas the rest of the time they'll, you know, if they're like, if it's a rush or something, they they'll come in and say, I'm going to be blunt and then just be blunt. And the rest of the time they're like, all right, they'll kind of ease into it with other people, uh, especially other people who aren't close to them, who don't work with them on a regular basis and stuff. All that said, the eight will also be among the first people to go to bat for you if they feel you're being wronged. Uh, a lot of times you don't even have to ask. They just do it. A lot of times you never know. Yeah. While they could be uh, very aggressive, they don't necessarily do it in front of you because it, it looks like a weakness because they're mm-hmm. taking up for you. Yeah. And you know, you find out that they chewed somebody a brand new one and you know, two years ago and you didn't hear about it. Yeah. A lot of people are going to have a difficult time working with an eight until you understand them. Uh, I, I did it first too, but then once I started understanding, even before I knew the Enneagram, I started understanding the, that person's personality and it's like, ah, okay, if I do this, it works and I shouldn't take that personally because it wasn't meant as an insult. It was just the way they communicate. They don't sugarcoat things at all. We talked about that and that can be difficult, especially for those of us who are a bit more sensitive. The phrase I've I've heard is they acid coat things. <laughs> they don't sugarcoat it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, a- acid coat it or uh, or hot sauce it. Yeah. Something. So let's talk about friendships with the eight. Um, while it takes a while for an eight to trust you, once they do feel they can trust you, they are incredible friends to have. However, that kind of vulnerability takes a while to achieve. Like you're not, you know, even a few months working together is probably not going to get you there or being. Oh, yeah. It's going to take years to get to that point. But once you're there, you're there. Challengers, they don't often realize how intense they appear to other people and are kind of blissfully unaware when they hurt others, especially when their independence is threatened. Uh, they probably won't ever be aware unless someone tells them or they just become very self-aware. Yeah. Or some kind of consequence rears its head and they have a moment of introspection, uh, which I've seen that one a couple times too. It, you know, the thing is, is it's important to be straightforward and honest with a challenger. And it's also important to avoid gossip. Uh, when somebody is afraid of betrayal, it's, really important to avoid ambiguity and anything that can be interpreted as backstabbing. Um, I had a conversation recently with some people that were gossiping, you know, frankly, like, you know, in my opinion, they're, they're talking trash about other people around them and they're like, Oh no, we're not gossiping. We're just, we're just discussing uh, their personal lives. And it's like, that's, that's gossip. Yeah. <laughs> On an interesting note, I guess because of the churches I grew up going to, there's so much, unhealthy gossip yeah that i just assumed when amanda and i broke up that everybody knew and i literally was texting the children's pastor today and you know i said something and she's like are you okay and i'm like you know i'm just taking it one day at a time and she's like well i don't know what's going on but i'll pray for you and i was like you don't know what's going on like <laughs> i thought everybody knew by now i mean it's it's been for been a while a few weeks and so i was like i told her what happened she's like oh i'm so sorry and you know but 
I'm just I'm not used to not having that gossip mill, and so like it threw me off. So yeah, I mean, my favorite was when they would bring it up in a prayer circle, pray for so and so because they're they're you know here's their list of all the problems. Yeah, and it's it's like that you're just gossiping. <laughs> you know, you could just you could yeah. cut that off earlier, and if an eight sees that like it's gonna really tick them off yeah yeah so wrapping up we'll talk about relationships with challengers relationships can be difficult for eights not only is there a risk of betrayal that we're just talking about but bluntness is often not appreciated in romantic relationships how's that for understatement of the century Challengers also have a really hard time opening up. And if you pursue a relationship with one, you're going to have to open up a lot more yourself to get any traction at all, because they're not going to do it until they feel safe. And they're probably not going to feel safe until like it's a regular thing. Yeah. You, you have to like adjust the norm for them. They also tend to express love by supporting and helping their partner achieve their goals. They're not typically emotionally expressive. Uh, which can require a lot of patience from their partner, especially if they're one of the more emotional types we've talked about. They'll also struggle with verbally expressing love. For an eight, independence isn't just a preference, but it's something that is kind of core to their being. Any relationship with them will have to take that into account. Like you're not going to make them a lap dog because that's just not what they are. Yeah. They need their space and their independence. Um, and if they choose to be with you, that means they're willing to sacrifice some independence for you, which is a huge thing for them. Yeah. But not all of it. Yeah. Eights are blunt. They like to be direct and they can often be motivated by anger and a desire for independence. While they can come across as overly aggressive or even rude, eights are not necessarily actually rude. Rather, they're making sure that they have control over their own lives and reducing their risk of being betrayed. However, at their core, they're extremely loyal to the people they care about and can be vulnerable and honest with them. Like other personality types we've discussed in this series, the eight has a lot of lessons for us. They can teach us to be assertive, independent, and to make sure that our needs get met. Eights can also be helped by the people around them who may need to gently inform the eight when they're being too intense, aggressive, or blunt for social situations. That uh, pretty much wraps us up. Beach, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? So it's interesting because talking about the eights this week, because I go to an eight with them when I'm unhealthy, but I also, as a very emotional type and very empathetic person, struggle with interacting with eights because they just come off as so harsh and mean. And I'm like, why are you being so mean to me? I didn't do anything. So learning about them uh, over the years has really helped me to interact with the people who I know who are eights. Uh, And I just want to say to you guys, as you listen to these Enneagram episodes, pay attention to not only your own personality type, but pay special attention to the others. Understanding yourself can help you to improve and know what triggers to avoid or how to reduce them like how to be your best person like be the best you but paying attention to the other types will help you to work with other people be friends with them be in relationships with them especially as you understand what motivates them and not just that but how they try to motivate others 
Some you will find fit well with the way that you think and do things. Others, not so much. Like twos and eights, we tend to like the eights are a bit intense for us and we're a bit too emotional for them. Twos and nines, we we tend to get together, get along really great. And there, there's others that are are like that. These ones that like you don't get along with are the ones that you should pay special attention to when listening to these episodes. They're the ones you'll have the most difficult time working or being friends or being in a relationship with until you start to learn how they think and how they're motivated. Once you do that, even the most opposite of types can make a great team member or even close friend. And that's pretty much all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash completedeveloperpodcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.